Hey, welcome to the Culture Kings Podcast, the podcast that I don't host. But it is hosted by my good friends Edgar Montplazier and Jockey Snail. Very good guys. These guys are just going to talk about pop culture, sports, you know, a lot of shit. Shit people care about. I don't know how to put it. It's like... Podcast, but like a mosh pit. And if you ask them to stop, they'll start shit. I'm talking sports to politics, to back and forth, to plead the fifth. And now I'm coming back for more. Ring, ring, really big ring. Basquiat with the crowny thing. With the comedians with the clowny thing. So you better bow down as the Coach Kings. Do you have that with your name? Do you ever like give up and just be like, "This is it. this is what it is," or are you pretty adamant in being like, "This is how you say my name"? Oh yeah, you have to say Armin. Mm. Armin, yeah, because I've gotten it so many different ways. Armin, yeah, yeah. <sighs> you know, because uh, I I was considered a little ethnically ambiguous growing up. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, people didn't necessarily know how to pronounce my name. Yeah, they, they tried to twist it up. But, but, but your heart, you're just like, "This is how you say it's Armin." Yeah. Wow, I, I need to get that confident. Tori, do you do you suffer from that as well? My last name, people struggle with that, so I just I'll give them a couple times. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you <laughs> give up after a couple no. times? Yeah. Well, I was gonna say for for Tori, I know that you the because you're you specialize in child and adolescent psychology and the kids. Mm-mm. No, psychiatry. Psycho- what did I say? Psychology. psychology. I was psychiatry, common, but the kids but the kids call you the kids call you Doctor T. Yeah, I do that too. So, so it's, it's like easy. they usually simplify it. What is yeah. the? I I think I know the difference, but I don't want to be wrong. But what is the difference? Is it drugs? Is that the big difference? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess fundamentally, well, you know, obviously we're we're both kind of dealing with the same set of issues, mm-hmm. s- similar patient population. Yeah. Um, they call them clients. You know, we call them patients. You know, because we're we're medical doctors, but. Yeah, the main difference is that um, we we deal a lot more in the the physiology, mm-hmm. uh, the you know, biological model, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know we we go through medical school so that we have that kind of background. Yeah, yeah. So, so that we go to medical school. Yeah, they usually get their PhD. Yeah, yeah. Or our social. Uh, yeah. So you guys are both psychiatrists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, in order to, to prescribe those those medicines and do it safely and effectively, and know kind of how it's working on the body and yeah. understand how to manage the side effects, yeah, you got to definitely go to med school. You got to go to med school and kind of know the chemistry yeah. and stuff like that of what you're prescribing to people. Absolutely, I'm going to take it a step further though and say that when you're dealing with the the mental health system in the body, like the the mind and mm-hmm. you know, all the things that, that it's connected to, you really have to be able to integrate the biology, you know, to like yeah. to get the complete picture. Oh, absolutely. Back in the day, and this is like kind of one of the biggest revolutions in in mental health, you know, that I think we've had in the last 30 years is like back in the day, we used to kind of consider the mind to be a a totally separate entity from the body. Yeah. You know, and so we we looked at, at things that way when we treated them medically. But, you know, research has demonstrated that they're kind of one and the same. You know, so the medicine is as effective if not more so in certain cases than you know the the psychological therapy i mean i, I definitely feel that true yeah. uh, i've been medicated since i was 19 20 years old yeah uh, and i mean i definitely feel the physical effects of it and the mental effects of it i mean i feel the physical effects of it because uh i got heavier uh but uh <laughs> no doubt yeah. <laughs> side effects but, are real side effects are real and that's just like with anything any, yeah, any type absolutely. of medical program absolutely. you know a good doctor is going to help you manage that yeah Right. Yeah. Well, so, I didn't say that they were a good doctor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, you know, my patients, you know, they, I, I, I make sure that doesn't happen. Sure. You know, I'm oh. really big on that, especially the, you know, 
the ones young 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 women they're not going to tolerate any of that yeah you know so it's it's crazy where the like some of the side effects are i don't want to get too crude but i know a big one for me i remember in college i got one and i like just couldn't ejaculate. Yep. And I remember going to my psychiatrist and be like, yo, my dude, this is this is wild. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> it's, it's not, not going to hurt. Yep. But now I'm just like, yo, can I get that one? Can I get that one where I can't ejaculate, bro? Because, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I was like, nah, fuck that. But now I'm like, hey, yo, can I get that one again? <laughs> yeah. No, it's nice when you find when you find something that's really effective for you. Yeah. You know, I, I know that can just be a life-changing experience for oh, some people. You know, so you, you kind of try to you take the, the bitter with the sweet. But there are ways of managing that, too. There are, you know, there are kind of low doses, little touches of other medicines. Sure. So you add on more meds? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But but it it really, it's, you know, we'll, we'll do it so that you kind of take them together. So it's not very disruptive in terms of the process you already had. Mm-hmm. But it really can, like, reverse that that side effect. I, I've heard of this more meds thing because I uh, I use four hymns sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was trying to get, like, a pill version of it because I, sometimes I'll use a spray. And I was trying to get a pill version of it. And they're like, nah, you have to talk to your psychiatrist first, like, before you start mixing all these pills and all that oh, stuff. Definitely, man. Can, and, we, can we rewind and intro these boys? And what uh-oh. They this is, yeah. Are you going to tell me how to do my podcast? <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> you can talk. We went right into boners. You can talk. Oh, my yeah. God. I, just want to, I want the we audience got, to know who we're talking me too. to. But that's what we do on this podcast. We start a conversation Over, and then we intro them. But I guess uh, Shireen is co-hosting today. That's and what you asked me to do. So she's going to have it be done her way. Welcome to Culture Kings. Uh, uh, we have two very, very special guests. I had never heard of them before. They were brought to me by Shireen, which is why she's co-hosting today, because oh, she wow. brought these people to my light. But they not only- Into your life. Uh, 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 yes, absolutely. Did I say light? You did say light. Same light thing. is great, too. I mean, it <laughs> sounds beautiful. Like, like very poetic. Uh, but, uh, uh, oh man, I'm going to mess up your name. That's fine. Dr. Tori Trojio? Yeah, sure. No, Trogio. it's not. Trogio. Yeah. You pronounce it double good. G. Yeah. Okay. And then Dr. Armin Hose. Yes. So uh, you guys are both psychiatrists, like you were saying. Yes, sir. But you guys have a podcast that kind of melds the work that you guys do with the mind and something that I deeply love, which is sports. Yes. How did that come to be? Like, how did you guys were like, yo, we want to talk about sports. And cause it's I, weird. Do you guys, are you guys sports? Weird. I mean, did you? Oh, well, first, uh, <laughs> let's start with the fact that I think now every NBA team is required to have uh, at least a psychologist yes. on staff now. Is that correct? New, they're doing right. like a new mental health. They have a new mental health director of the entire league. Yeah. We're not exactly sure exactly what it entails, but yeah. it's a step in the right direction. I guess he got hired by the Players Association. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's he actually so he's right out here in LA. Uh oh, wow. he's, at, he's at LMU. Mm-hmm. Right? He's a professor oh, yeah. there. And uh he's kind of launched this this I think pretty great initiative on paper, right? Um in terms of the values that they want to want to promote, you know, in terms of like building a mental health program that's comprehensive, you know, that's really athlete empowering, you know, it's not about like the front office, you yeah. know, and whatever. Um, and, uh, he, he's saying all the right things. We read the art, some of the articles that, that he's put out there. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I haven't seen like any dramatic signs yet. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I, I know that there's been some active steps taken Absolutely. in that direction. I mean, that's a topic that we never, I mean, these two things never cross. I feel like, no. I mean, I, yeah. I remember the first time it kind of sprinkled for me at least was when Kevin Love disappeared from that game yes and everyone was really upset because they were like well he's not physically injured but then it came out that he had a panic attack oh yeah 
I was like, that's tough. But Twitter was just like, fuck that yeah. bitch. That it's like he quit like, on his team. Yeah. It's like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. And and if you think about it, like, yo, know, th- that that's what inspired us in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like that response. Yeah. Right. There's so much there when you think about how if if he had had like what happened with Kev- Kevin Durant. Yes. Right. When Kevin Durant injured his Achilles in the finals, you could see it. You could visualize it. Well, yeah, but he was like almost like a hero. Oh, he went out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you know, he went. You know, tried to be there for his team and put himself out there. And he was marched out of the the stadium like a hero. Yeah. It made him more yeah. likable because he was like kind of a hated yeah. guy before that. Yeah. And it's easy to empathize yeah. when you see someone blow out their Achilles yeah. versus someone's having panic attacks in the locker room. Can't You don't see it. You can't really empathize with someone who's struggling with things necessarily with anxiety or depression because you just can't really see it yeah. yeah and it's kind of also like i feel like mental health is so it's regarded as so weak yes like it's just like a very weak thing to do like you can't just get over it just like talk yourself out of it like yeah. it's, it's like it's not if, if, if people don't have experience with it they think it's something really easy to overcome and so i think when tori told me about making this podcast with Armin, I I had never like that those two things are so important to bring together, especially because sports is so like hyper masculine. Mm-hmm. And men are so especially in like societal standards, like unable to talk about their emotions, unable to talk about mental health. It makes them weak or whatever. Cause sports is like the pinnacle of that masculinity. Yeah. And so yeah. melding those two things together, I think there's definitely a place in the like podcast world, let alone like our world in general, that needs that dialogue, you yeah. know? That's our grandiose. I sure hope so. Grandiose delusion. <laughs> yeah. That's our grandiose delusion is to try to decrease the stigma within yeah. of mental illness within sports, and sure. that'll certainly translate outside of sports. But yeah. it all it all started because we we met each other like a little over four years ago, and we were just talking shit about sports mm-hmm. like constantly. Yeah, this guy's obsessed with Tom and you Brady. You guys met in residency, right? Yeah. yeah. So we met our intern year at UCLA uh, Sepulveda okay. program. Uh, Sepulveda program. So you're a football guy? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. I was a tight end and defensive back. Mm. I uh, love basketball. Love I, I really love all sports, really. Yeah. Like, I'm just an all-around sports guy. I've been either watching it or playing sports since I was seven years old. So, you know, we talk about that in yeah. yeah. uh, our kind of get-to-know-us-who-we-are podcast. But, yeah, um, sports is a big part of my life and Tories as well. Yeah. Did you play sports growing up? Yeah, I played sports. I played basketball in high school and nice. stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. You got um, some height. I got a little bit yeah. of height. I got. I was tall for my school, so I played center, which I wow didn't translate for college at all. Because when yeah. I got to college, they were just like, "Man, you a point guard?" And I was like, oh, "I can't dribble a basketball at all." So uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't yeah. get to play college at oh, all. Oh, I got great low post moves at yeah. a, as a five ten and a half. It, but it's weird, right? Because it's like <laughs> right. in certain high schools, a five ten guy is like a really tall dude, but in other high schools, five ten you don't even make the team. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about the AAU circuit now. Oh, know. yeah. Absolutely. You know, High school doesn't matter about, anymore. Yeah. Wait, so, can we start so you guys were talking shit about <clears throat> sports, and that's how this whole Wait, Shereen, did you play sports growing up? Yeah. Uh, that's not, I did like, track and field. Yeah, uh, that counts. Oh, cool. That counts. That counts. Um, yeah. yeah that's more track or more field? It's a big uh, difference. Track, track. Okay. I mean, I did like long jump and stuff, but like it was, and I really wanted to do high jump, but I was not coordinated enough. I was a 400 runner. High jump runner. is the most beautiful thing. You were a 400 runner? What's your time for the 400? 
So I only ran I for two years, mm-hmm. 57. So then do yeah, you guys have any uh, memories in high school of like feeling some sort of mental way and then oh, having yeah. to like push that down and just because yeah. maybe the coach was just like, stop being a pussy or whatever that was. Do you have any memories like that? So I played baseball growing up and football. That's um, one. Baseball is one word. Those kids are fucking tormented. Yeah. I, I think that's a topic. Yeah. And that. the fans are pretty tormenting too. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's too much time to think in baseball. Yeah. Because you're sitting out there and really – if you, you guys have watched baseball, it's a great sport to take a nap to while you watch oh, it. Oh, of course. <laughs> but I played, beer too. Yeah. <laughs> I played second base, and literally I just remember every time a ground ball was hit to me, I'd like be shaking, get nervous, and I could mm-hmm. barely throw up, palms are sweaty. I mean, that got better with practice, but essentially I had performance anxiety, and that's the first time it showed up was when I was on the baseball field. Yeah. And despite that, I was able to play for the high school team. I, I really wasn't very good. Um, but I, that's looking at the time, I didn't really know it. Couldn't really put the words to it. I just knew, like, oh, this is – I just get nervous out there. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, yeah, I definitely had, like, symptoms of, like, almost like anxiety attacks when I was yeah. playing the sport. And at that time, if you can't put words to it yourself, you don't necessarily – you can't talk to your coach about it. You can't talk to your teammates about it. They're going to be like, come on, dude, what are you doing? You're soft. You're weak. You're, and other, among other things. So look, looking back, I wish maybe there was someone at that point in time to at least say something or yeah. take me to the side and be like, hey, you all right? You good? But unfortunately not. But I still had a blast playing baseball. I was watching the Little League World Series, and it was like Georgia versus Arizona. And Georgia was just wrecking this team. Like this kid was throwing a pitch. And every time he threw it, it was a home run. And I think the score was like 13 to 3. And they left the kid out there, and it seemed like they were punishing him. And I was like, this is going to ruin this kid forever. He's going to think about that forever. Absolutely. He threw 13 runs. Was it televised? It's televised? I was watching on ESPN. Yes. That's that's terrible. I played Little League All Stars, and those are some of the, I still have vivid memories of that. That was some of the best (laughs) times. But it's like live or die when you're that age and you're playing sports. That's why you see like little kids crying in Little League World Series. Yeah, you'll see that. And it, it seems so intense, but I mean, I lived it, and it was intense at that time. Looking back, you're like, eh, it was just, a, just a game. Yeah, but it's but more, when you're it's more than it, that. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, for some kids, an experience like that could be empowering. You mm. know, it could actually kind of, you know, make them better because they'll leave that experience and want to work harder. And you know, but for some, it could just be totally deflating. Absolutely, leave, absolutely. You know, be really hard to bounce back. Yeah, there's so many values you can learn through sports, through playing sports as a kid. Cause it's hard to really learn yeah. like a w- good work ethic yeah. as a child and in sports you kind of get that direct feedback you either win or you lose or you get a hit or you strike out so you know okay i need to work harder and then you get a hit next time and you realize oh working hard does pay off mm-hmm. yeah you know and that's actually a, an example of, of where good coaching comes in because mm-hmm. a coach will know how long to leave that guy in right because mm-hmm. he, he will know his player and he'll be able to say okay we need to take this we need to get this guy now because you know, he's just going to continue to lose confidence. But, you know, some guys know that there will be a player that would actually, you know, want to stay in and want to overcome that, want to at least get out of the inning, you know, so they, they can be able to say, like, you know, I wasn't yanked. Yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, that's why – it's another thing. Another reason why we're doing this podcast, I think, is, you know, there's, there's a different ways to, you know, like as a coach, for example, to learn your players. And sure. if you understand and appreciate mental health, you know, um, I think it, it can enhance your ability to to reach out and connect with your players. You I know. think coaching is probably the last place, the last workplace in which verbal abuse is sometimes encouraged, right? I mean, yeah. uh, uh, coming from like people like 
Bobby Knight is someone I remember <laughs> where he was praised for throwing chairs. I went his... to IU. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. oh, wow. So I know Bobby Knight very well. Yeah, man. like he was praised for throwing chairs at players and stuff like that and being verbally abusive, sometimes physically abusive with some players. Like, do you guys think that you see a change and stuff like that? I mean, I know Steve Kerr is like the dream coach, right? Because of the respect and reverence that he has for his players or whatever but do you guys think that there is at least a change in some of that or do you think i I see to some extent i mean it's definitely not as like publicly visible yeah but that that also is a reflection of you know how society's changed too Mm. right i mean you know parents aren't nearly as physical with their kids yeah you know what i mean like spanking used to be kind of normal oh yeah yeah. shereen were you spanked no did you get the bottom of your feet hit yeah I was. It was definitely like, like in Arab culture, especially. There's always like a slipper in my parents' hand, you know, or like some some figures' hand is like a slipper. They just take it off their foot, and then you just like your blood just boils, and you run out of the room. Um, What is this bottom of the feet? What what does that mean? That's terrible. What do you mean by that? So I'm engaged to Shereen's sister. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. That's the connection. Tori is my soon to be. You're my sister. Yeah, you're my brother. The closest I'll get. High five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what does this bottom of the feet thing mean? What is that? Well, it's just like, I don't know. That was, it's, it's called a, like a fat in, in Arabic, but like mm-hmm. in, it's not really a thing in, in in Western culture. But that's like, like you just like, you you get a slipper and you just like hit your kid's foot. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably similar mm-hmm. to like, I got the belt once as a kid. And once oh, you yeah. get the belt once, all it takes is them slapping it and you realize, all right, I don't oh, yeah. want that. Yeah. But the, the, I think the idea of it is you, you you hit the child if you're gonna leave a market somewhere where no one else is gonna see it. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that's pretty Ooh, intense. That's pretty dark. That is intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even things like holding your child really tight by the arm, or like yeah. like a firm, like even that was really scary growing up. And like I think it's not abuse, it's not physical abuse, but it is like this physicality that I think is getting less and less. Because if if you see it now and if you experience it now, then it's like a red flag. But like. Yeah. It, yeah, spanking was normal. Whatever, like it's like it, it's a it's a cultural shift, mm-hmm. and I think it does translate to coaching because when parents give their kids, like they give the responsibility of their children to a coach. Oh, yeah, another adult. Yeah, yeah, so it's like a big thing. But yeah. I have a question for Tori, did, or even Armin. Like, did or did your anxieties growing up, experiencing anxiety during sports or whatever, did that influence? Like, I know Tori specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry mm-hmm. and. I'm not you, you. You didn't go into any specialty, right, Armin? Right. Yeah, just general but, adult adult yeah. psychiatry. But yeah. did your own personal experiences with anxiety and mental health, or yeah. any kind of mental battle, influence why you wanted to even be a psychiatrist? Oh yeah, I mean, sure. I think. Uh, well, I think it it started like with an intellectual curiosity. You know, just why things happen the way that they do. You know. Um, and that could be that was really just with everything in life, just things I experienced as a kid in the world around me. Um, so when it came to things I may have been experiencing internally, you know how I felt about things um, that were happening. Yeah, um, I think that that's what drove me to want to be in mental health. Yeah. Um, in psychiatry, oh man, that that in particular. I mean, I think. When we t- we talk about this on one of our podcasts in that same podcast, but like, I think there there was something about the challenge of medical school um, and just the challenge of just like doing something that hadn't been done in my family before and um, something that at at one time seemed very far reaching. Um, I just wanted that challenge. I love the idea of 
service. You know, I was like always doing volunteer stuff and trying to help the community and stuff like that as a kid. Um, so it just kind of all came together. But it started with an intellectual curiosity about what was happening in the world around me and about my life and, you know, how I felt about things. I, I can't say I necessarily had um, any particular conditions that, that probably required like medical treatment growing up. Um, I was pretty resilient, you know, in terms of how I dealt with things, you know, I kind of bounced back. I do, I would say that I pretty, I did definitely have like a touch of ADHD as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually, uh, I would, I would have these like weird things where I would have like a straight A academic report card with like, you know, C or D in conduct or something like that. Uh, just mostly talking out in class and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I think a little Ritalin or something might have been helpful, but um, but yeah, there there was uh, there were definitely there was mental illness in my family um, mm -hmm. and things going on around me in my family that I saw very up close and personal that um, touched me and that you know just my natural instincts kicked in and you know inspired me to want to like learn more about it and understand how I could fix it, how I could serve that person and make that person's life better. Yeah. Yeah. Tori? <clears throat> so I guess for me, at least, it didn't. I wasn't aware of, I guess, the mental health struggles that are present in my family or the craziness or however you want to label it when I decided to go into psychiatry. But looking back, now that I'm in psychiatry and I went through this residency and now in fellowship, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of issues going on with extended family members and family mm -hmm. members. And But at the time, I think I, I, my own personal struggles with anxiety, I was in my head a lot. And it wasn't my own personal experiences, I think, that consciously led for, to me to go to, into psychiatry. But it definitely probably worked at me on an unconscious level, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, but I guess similar to Armin when I went into medical school. And med medical school is, I think, extremely dehumanizing. And I think Armin would relate to this. You were in the military, too, so you can kind of compare those two yeah. experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had, like, surgery rotations, OB-GYN, and everyone's, like, at each other's necks, and they're they're just upset and angry and the, and the patients aren't in good moods. And then you go and I went to my psychiatry rotation. Everyone's like happy. They have a smile on their face and the patients are so grateful and you can sit down and actually you have time mm -hmm. to sit there and talk to the pa the person, the individual and get to know them as an individual instead of like going off this checklist and like drawing blood and like, Oh, this is what the, the disorder is. Let's treat it with this psychiatry. You really get to know the person, their deep, darkest secrets, the inner workings of their mind. And I thought that was refreshing and challenging and that's ultimately what led me to go into psychiatry. And then learning all this, I'm like, yeah, I was anxious. A lot of family members have, I come from like really like Italian American where everyone's like really high strung and yeah. loud. So I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of issues going on, but. Um, yeah. Psychiatry gets a, gets a, a hard time, man. Kind of a, a bad rap. It's almost like the stepchild, you yeah, know, of medicine. I remember my stepmom was like. <laughs> Why would you go to medical school to become a psychiatrist? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I, I think yeah. it's also because people confuse psychologists yeah. and counselors with psychiatrists mm -hmm. because Absolutely. you don't need to go to medical school to be a psych psychologist no. or a counselor right. or even mm -hmm. a therapist. Yeah. You know? So I think... Well, it's it's actually yeah. one of the most fledgling fields of medicine, you know, really? because... Mental right, health in general? Psychiatry. Scientology, Scientology so the, winning the principles, that battle. Oh. The princi <laughs> yeah, we funny. have some we'll, competition we'll out here. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll, we'll get there. Um, that museum of death is great. The foundation yeah. of, of psychiatry as it relates to medicine and medical practice is kind of like neurology, you know, the brain, mm. right, mm -hmm. brain science. But we, again, didn't really understand how it was fully connected as a medical science until really 
like the 60s, 70s, when we started realizing we have biological agents, drugs, pharmacology that can totally, you know, eradicate this in ways that the psychoanalysis stuff that Freud was doing, you know, couldn't touch. So Um, when you mean biological, like a lot of our medications, because if you have like depression or anxiety or bipolar, you're like serotonin or dopamine, these different levels in your, in your biology are, are off and the medications kind of modulate and even out those neurotransmitters, which are responsible for our mood and depression and like impulse control. So I just wanted to- And I never knew that. Like, you know, yeah. like growing up, I was just like, oh, I'm just sad all the time, right? But like someone had to be like, no, chemically, or like you're saying biologically, you don't pr- produce as much serotonin yeah. as like mm-hmm. the next person or yeah. whatever it's that like, is. It's like, I always yeah. think about this comparison where- because growing up, I was fascinated with psychiatry. I wanted to be a psychiatrist for the longest time because I was I knew I was there was something in my brain that was not normal and I wanted to like discover what it was. But I think when someone made the comparison of like, if you have bad eyesight, why would you not wear glasses to correct it? Like your like your brain for physically sure. does not if it if it can't make those levels on its own, you need help to to just be able to to feel normal mm-hmm. or like whatever your version of normal is. Yeah. So it's like the the eyesight thing was always interesting to me because I, I like that I, like, metaphor. Yeah, because it's That's like good. you're I'm not gonna, gonna you're not gonna <laughs> live sure, life yeah. like with blurry vision <laughs> yeah. if you don't have to. And there's so many people like I mean, especially in the past, who were just like, oh, I thought that's just how you saw. Yeah. And then they put on the glasses and exactly. I'm just like, oh, I don't have to see that. No. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Um, but both of you guys said that in your own families you saw mental health and stuff yeah. like this. And Armin, I know that you're a man of color. Yep. Uh, were they talking about these things? Not were they open about these things? Look, you know, and I actually opened up about this in, in, in our uh, bio, bio podcast. Um, I didn't, I didn't have health insurance growing up. Wow. I, you know, I never, I, I, man, I can probably count on my one hand the number of times I ever went to a doctor's office and it was usually for like shots or, yeah. um, physical you know, like a physical, school. exactly mm-hmm. for, for football, for sports, yeah. you know, for stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't. I mean, it was what was talked about were the issues that it was causing. Yeah, you know, that the impact that it had in, in our lives. Um, but in terms of understanding that that we could, as a family, go to a doctor or you know, or a medical professional and and get help, that that was that wasn't really a thing. Mm. Yeah. What about over at your place, Tori? Not really. No, that's that's kind of why like there wasn't really that outlook or someone to maybe. I think I, what I was waiting for is just someone to n- name what I was feeling and like notice it, mm. but never really happened. I'm, I mean, it's not like that. I struggle. I still made it to where I'm at today. But yeah, it wasn't really like no one went and saw a psychiatrist or a therapist. Not that I knew of, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably extended family members and things that had their own therapists, but no one was really talking about it. And that's, I think, the most important yeah. thing. We and want people to feel like they can talk about these absolutely. things. Just like, oh, yeah, I had, I had a torn ACL. I had to go get my ACL repaired. Yeah, with physical pain, everyone's on board, mm-hmm. right? Like, you get a cut, everyone's down for it. But with mental pain, I still feel like, even though it seems like now mental health is like, oh, the thing, right? Like, everyone's depressed and stuff like that. Uh, but <laughs> but now, it's like a, uh, now it's like a joke. Exactly. Now it's like, oh, my God, I'm so OCD. I have to close the door, like, two times. I'm oh. just like, let's not. <laughs> oh, I'm so yeah. OCD. I have to organize yeah. this. So, like, or, like, I have Defense ADD. Mechanism. I have ADD, <laughs> so I can't concentrate. So it's like the, it's like a, the, the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, well, here's what's crazy about with my family. So my, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, was a psych nurse. Wow. She was a psychiatric nurse, worked in psychiatric hospitals the whole nine. So 
there was a knowledge, but it's just that taboo in the black community. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I think it's taboo for so many different reasons. You know, I think the church you know, has, has a lot to do with I mean, that. The amount of times my mom that. has told me, pray on it. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so it, yeah, it's tough. It really, we were just talking about it, you know, recently. Um, that might be one of the biggest barriers to access to care mm. is our, ourselves. Sure. Yeah. It's this also, it's lack also, of education. yeah. And like growing up, at least for me, coming from like an immigrant, an immigrant household, even as like a girl, like any t- any sign of emotion was like you're being sensitive. You're yes. being sensitive. So mm-hmm. you, you grow up mm-hmm. thinking your emotions like you have to repress them. You don't want to seem weak. You don't want to be sensitive. And I think I can only imagine as a guy how deep rooted that is, especially when it comes to sports, because any sign of emotion is like you're you're losing. You're seeing mm-hmm. red. You're being sensitive or whatever. So when that when you grow and you become an adult, you play sports and whatever, I think it's so hard to grow out of that mentality where like emotions are bad. Emotions are, it's not even just emotion. It's like boiling it down to like the most basic word. Yeah. But it's any any type of mental angst mm-hmm. that is, that maybe like m- makes ripples in your, in your, in your friends, your family mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Because I think when you're told as a child, like, uh, don't cry or like don't do this don't do that it's so hard to talk out of that and and yeah, it's, it's, it translates to coaches too coaches yeah. probably say the same thing it's oh, like absolutely. man up or whatever you know what i mean it's just like yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's man up and, yeah. and being masculine is like don't have emotions exactly. don't think about your don't, don't think about your brain yeah so mental mental illness is there's a spectrum right like everyone's been sad or down in a specific day absolutely and so you're, not everyone is going to have a diagnosable mental illness like major depression disorder, but everyone struggles with mental health. So I think the foundation for everything, Armin would attest to this, is we're not just like psychiatrists that just want to prescribe medications. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of psychiatrists out there like that. Um, we've both been trained in different types of therapy, like psychodynamic mm-hmm. therapy, C- cognitive behavioral therapy, different hey, things like that. that's my shit. CBT's my yes. shit. So the foundation, mm-hmm. I think, of... <laughs> that's my shit, bro. <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> and I want to hear more about that. But the foundation of mental health overall is just First, the first step is being able to articulate your thoughts and feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Because if you can name them, then you can communicate them to, yeah. and articulate them to other people. Absolutely. And that's where it all starts. It's about creating your own narrative about what's happening with you. Mm. Right? Yeah. I like that. I like that yeah. concept. Uh, Shereen brought up this in, uh, interesting thing about being sensitive and being perceived as sensitive. And that made me want to ask you guys a very specific question about a very specific player. Uh, perhaps my favorite player ever, but I'll do that after the break. And we're back on Culture Kings. We're talking with Dr. Tori Trogio. Got it. And Dr. Armin Hose. Yes, sir. Uh, and, of course, Shireen is here as Thank well. Thank you for that afternoon. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Shireen. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about uh, uh, psychiatry and also sports and psychiatry. So uh, talking about someone who's conceived as, or perceived, I should say, as sensitive, my favorite player ever, Can Kevin I, Durant. Oh, I was going to guess that. I wanna, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I should have given you an opportunity to guess. Oh, no worries. But he is perceived You're as clairvoyant too. extremely <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why do you think that is? Yeah. I think it's, uh, well, one, he can't. And look, I, I, I'm not a delusional fan in the way that some LeBron James fans are. Uh, I can. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Armin Hose. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can admit Uh-oh. Kevin's flaws. And I think Here one of Kevin's go. flaws is, and he saw it this week when Devin Booker uh, was complaining about being double teamed mm-hmm. in a pickup game, and Kevin Durant, for some reason, and I don't know why, was going online and responding to 
random ass people on Twitter. And I think that's a flaw. I, I can admit that I'm like, why do you care what this random person with 20 followers is saying? <laughs> and I think a lot of that is why he's perceived as sensitive. But I and I think you do see that, right? Like I do I think you see that play out in like the fight that him and Draymond had last season. And uh people kind of always question his motives. He doesn't really seem Comfortable. I think that's what I enjoy about him is that he seems so uncomfortable with not only himself but his greatness as well. Like he always seems like an awkward mm-hmm. kind of fit. Yeah. But that is someone who's seen as sensitive, and now he gets called a bitch, a snake, and all that stuff. Uh, what do you guys think when you see things like that? Well, I, I did see that clip too, and I, I about Devin Booker getting double teamed, and I heard something about Kobe Bryant would like welcome the double teams in practice because yeah. that's how you get better, and that's like in stark contrast to like Kevin Durant going on there and like defending. Devin mm-hmm. Booker for complaining about getting double teamed and pick up basketball. Gym. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, so the, and Kobe Bryant's on the other far end of the spectrum when it comes to Kevin Durant. But I guess, um, yeah, like the the process of him getting on Twitter, having a burner account, yes, and then I think it culminated in him leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder and joining the team that he blew a three one lead to in the Western Conference Finals that yeah. had went off came off. He's of, been through a lot. One of the best oh, yeah. seasons ever. <laughs> Absolutely. And so he, if you can't beat him, join him. He did that. So I think that adds into the reputation. So what is that? Why did he feel the need to to join our, uh, an already well-established championship team? Absolutely. Is there a lack of sense of self there? Ooh. Yeah. There's some of that. We talk, Yeah, we talked about that too. Uh, I mean, I, I love Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's actually a, a homeboy, believe it or not. Oh, he's wow. from Maryland. Oh, are um, you from uh, Maryland? And he well? he went to to uh, high school with my late cousin. Oh wow. Um, yeah, they're apparently the same. Does same that qualify class. as a homeboy, Armin? Okay, that's okay. yeah. Wow. I think so. Wow. That's, I don't yeah, know. Define How it. Great separation. Do you have to have well, to be like this is my boy? Okay, but I, I th- you I think know the kind of people who are in your circle of high school friends. You're right. I you, think that you, you kind of have to shoot and You could say you could say you have to be from the same neighborhood. Okay, which just, we were it not. Just, it, was just a, it was a joke. I'm sorry. Do you know who? Uh, do you know who uh, went to Shereen's high school? Uh, uh, that uh, that that uh, Colorado shooter. Oh, is it, why so would that's you bring that up? Why would that's you bring that up? Test, <laughs> Honestly, Edgar, you should not have brought that up. That's crossing the line. You're talking about mass shootings. Oh, yeah. So that's actually yeah. Back to great. Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, I. So I, I feel like. A little connected to him, just got you know. I know where he's from, you know, that community. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the thing about it is, uh, he made a, a very bold move. Uh, very bold. It was a, it was a tough decision yeah. to, to go to Golden State in the Absolutely. first place. To go to the um, greatest, one of the greatest teams in basketball ever. One mm-hmm. of the greatest teams in basketball ever, and just in the way that he did it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, leaving behind Russ, uh, and then you know, all, apparently he didn't even inform Russ before he made the decision and, you know, with all they had been through together. And then, you know, they had lost that year before. <laughs> to him, to them. Uh, yeah. Down three. I think they were up three, two. They, they were up three, three one. one. Up three, one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. They were up three. I was the biggest. Three, I, one. I was the biggest OKC fan. I watched that series. I watched the whole thing. I remember game seven. This is probably a really bad thing. But at an ex of mine, we were watching it together. And I, she was white. We were in a place of black people. And when they lost that game, I was just like, furious in the corner and she came over and tried to give me a cupcake and this black woman came up to her and said leave that boy alone <laughs> don't go near him like, so that's heartbreaking you know leave as the warriors know all about because of what lebron did to him so you wear your heart on your sleeve when you're watching sports oh 100 right. right. oh 100 i love it 100%. don't i feel like a lot of guys do i think oh, yeah. i think sports watching sports it's like the one place where men feel complete 
relinquish of their emotions. They Absolutely. can be angry. They can be mad. They can be sad. And they and it's all because there's an outlet for it. And it's not about them. It's like this is about my my team. Whatever. I think it's like I'm I'm the le- obviously the least knowledgeable about sports here. Um, but. That's how it's I. It's not obvious. Tri- no, that makes sense. No, I just haven't. Been, I, I think it's obvious because I haven't been contributing as much as far as like whatever you're no, talking you're good. about. You're good. But um, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> thing to watch men watch sports because there's like a range of emotions they go through in the span of like 45 minutes. That's like absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, 100%. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I, yeah. I I think talking about mental health and sports together, I yeah. think especially. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was like a huge person that was talked about last year about like or like even this year about like how what kind of person he's a, he's a robot he doesn't have emotions or whatever i've called him a sociopath multiple times i don't think so but um, <laughs> he might have some some traits i love Kawhi. i love Kawhi. i love i love i like the the players that aren't the i mean i like kevin durant too i like the, i don't like when people try to put their their uh, the, the, the people they're watching on TV into a box that they think they should be, of they should be like. So when they stray from the norm, it's like there's there must be something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. When really it's just like we all have our, we all deal with things in different ways. We all deal with fame in different ways. We all deal with mm-hmm. attention in different ways. And like I don't know. I know oh, you're right. spot on because I, I see. I I mean I don't know these guys, so I'm just throwing out random assumptions. But I see Kawhi Leonard as I think someone who has a strong sense of self, and I think it maybe has a lot to do with. Maybe social media presence. And yeah. He's not on social media at all. At all. So what that means, he's not necessarily outsourcing his sense of validation to other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And when you play sports, your validation's outsourced because yeah. you got thousands of fans cheering you on since day one. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant, and not to blame him, like people have been following him since he's a teenager yeah. and you're on social media. So everything, your sense of self becomes attached to how other people per, uh, see you and look at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's a slippery slope. That's why that may lead someone to having a burner account on Twitter to protect his reputation. And, it, and that's why I think people yeah. perceive him as soft or sensitive. Or, yeah. And, and I wonder if, if what we're seeing on social media is a, is a reflection of, you know, has he fully accepted that decision that he made? Um, I don't know, man. You know, has he, he has he really moved on from that decision? Yeah, I think he feels guilt about it. Don't you don't you see that sometimes that he feels like yeah. I don't? It's such a weird thing, and that's why I relate yeah. to him so much. I I find him to be so sensitive. But going back to Kawhi, well, I like that you said Kawhi does, has such a strong sense of self, I and mean, we we know that literally, right? Like when he won that Finals MVP trophy. He forgot it. Yeah. In his apartment. Yeah. He was just like, oh, fuck, I moved out and I didn't bring my yeah. trophy with me. It's like you can tell, like, he's playing basketball for himself, yeah. maybe his close family members, but he doesn't, he, he could, I think he could care less if people were watching. Yeah. yeah. I think he, that's what's so amazing about him. I think mm-hmm. I read this thing, I forgot who said it, but they, 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 as far as celebrity goes, there are two types of people they were saying a cold blooded animal and a warm a warm blooded animal. The warm blooded animals are the one the mammals rather are the ones that are like they can survive on their own. They don't need anything external to keep them warm. But a cold blooded person is someone that requires like comp- like constant validation and whatever just to be able to survive. They'll die without it. And it's like a weird comparison to like call them like cold blooded or warm blooded, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about where it's like a celebrity, like like they're talking about like Rihanna. Like Rihanna doesn't need any like external validation to just mm-hmm. be Rihanna. Like she she is herself completely, 
and uh, doesn't need like like she can gain weight, lose weight, or whatever. It was it was more this like this uh, body image uh, mm-hmm. thing I was reading. And then other people were like Kylie Jenner, who like constantly posts her body on social media or whatever. She needs the validation being like, I'm still here. I'm still relevant. I'm still around, whatever. Yep. It's two different types of uh, relationships to fame. Mm-hmm. It's someone that requires constant reminder, like a reminder, like I'm still alive mm-hmm. because I'm on social media and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone like Kawhi who has no interest in even being on social media. Mm-hmm. He has a full life without it. He has a family. He Barely has an amazing interviews. career. Yeah. yeah. And the the few interviews I've seen of him, there he had this one interview on YouTube. His, uh, what's the, I forgot his. Surgeon Baca. Yeah, yeah. He had like a cooking show. Yeah. And I saw the one where Kawhi was on. He was like making him like some gross ass pizza or something. Um, <laughs> wow, that's disrespectful <laughs> to African culture. I don't, I, <laughs> Kawhi didn't like it, okay? Kawhi did not like the pizza. Um, but it was just, it was interesting to see Kawhi just talking to his friend on a YouTube show. Yeah. It was like, yeah. that was that was like, oh, he's not. He's a, a normal person. You know, he's yeah. Just, yeah. He just doesn't like fucking microphones mm-hmm. and, and crowds yeah. and whatever, you know? He's Absolutely. not a robot or a sociopath. It's because he doesn't fall into like this idea of like Kobe or Shaq or whatever the fuck your pinnacle sports well, players You have are. your LeBrons, you have your Stephs, right? These guys who seem like they're almost curated to be like yeah. that. What do you guys think about those think, kind of types? I, I see a lot of similarities between Kevin Durant and LeBron. Really? And I would put Kawhi in like the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan camp. I'd agree. What is those similarities that you guys see? Yeah. We actually talk about this on these upcoming episodes called Mm -hmm. uh, What Makes an Athlete Unique. Shout outs. Yeah. Well, LeBron's LeBron's very active. But also, the the podcast is called what? Sports Psych MDs. Yeah, I don't think we even said it once. Well, we're going to say that at the end. Yeah. I People have, should I know. Sports Psych MDs. People sports are Psych listening MDs. and they're <laughs> wondering where they talk about what's the podcast. It's called Sports Psych MD, and the logo is great. It's the logo's Armin very fun. And, and Tori, they're sporty. And it's a very fun logo. It's cute. Yeah. It's oh, cute. thanks. But we saw, it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, first take, that's the one you know. Oh, it. yeah. The, the artist that, that was helping us. Got it. Yeah, shout out to uh, Space Labs. But that, this is the beauty about basketball, I think, more than any other sport, is you actually can get to know these athletes, or you think you yes. get to know them, essentially. Yeah. Well, and you see their media. faces yeah. so much more than any other sport, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, football, yeah. they're covered That's by a helmet. Point. Baseball, yeah. they're so they're like little tiny animals. Yeah. Uh, 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 but in basketball, they're in yep. your face. Sports yeah. is all about stories, man. Mm. It's all about stories. And the reason why Kawhi Leonard is interesting is it's it's he's different, so it, it makes for an interesting story. Um, and that's what kind of keeps it all going. And that's why I, that's why we love mental health. You know, uh, each patient has a story. Mm. Um, and it's up to us to kind of understand that and, and unlock it and help them find that, you know, that narrative we talked about. Um, and so that's really the connection between mental health and sports right there. You know, it's, it's all about connecting to those stories. Yeah. And I think you guys, I think it would be cool to see both of you even talk to like coaches and sport or and athletes and stuff on your actual podcast. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. We want people to come on and ideally open up about any struggles they've had or witnessed throughout their athletic career and how it's impacted them positively or negatively. Cause sometimes there's, you can have mental health challenges that like you were, Armin was alluding to earlier that can make you a stronger person in the long run. I mean, yeah. with uh, we see that with Kawhi, right? I mean, Kawhi had something really traumatic happen mm-hmm. to him when he was very young. Uh, his father was yeah. murdered. I think that's why he's the only person on the San Antonio Spurs who doesn't have to follow their uh, 
their uh, appearance code. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, everyone has to cut their hair on that team, except for Kawhi. I think Kawhi I never... was allowed to keep his braids because it's connected to his father yeah. somehow. Wow. Um, yeah, no, everyone shaves their head except for Kawhi Leonard. It was just why he was always, he always felt like an outsider on that yeah. team. But that's like, why I like him. Like... That's why I fucking like him. Yeah. No one knows what went down there. No one um, knows, right? Yeah. That's always going to be a mystery of like what went wrong. There. I mean, I guess he's my assumption. He's so confident in who he is as a, as himself. It causes some maybe rigidity, and they rubbed him the wrong way. And he was yeah. like, "All right, screw you guys." Yeah, but Pop is such a familiar. Well, I don't know. I mean, he also had that trouble with Marcus Aldridge, yeah. uh, which I thought was really interesting to hear him talk about that, uh, where he kind of fessed up that it was his fault. Yeah. He said that. Uh, he was coaching a system, not a person. And he was like, I had to learn who LaMarcus was and realize that I wasn't talking in his language. And I was like, yeah. that's very cognizant. So he's evolved as a coach. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. You have to. Well, to yeah. You talk about these OG coaches. They still use, they'll, they'll still curse you out and yell oh, yeah. at you like we were talking about earlier. You got Popovich, Nick Saban, um, Bill Belichick. Yeah. That, that works some for some guys. Three, you have to earn the play. It works respect. for some guys. Yeah. yeah. It works for Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. It worked for Tim Duncan. Because they're probably machines, David Robinson, almost, too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and David Robinson, military guy, who probably, and so is Pop, also a military guy. He, so. to, we, he was from my alma mater. Oh, wow. Yeah, yep. I graduated from the Air Force Academy. Oh, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I feel like, you know, that's kind of why there's certain guys who respond to that. But yep. it seems like in this new age of players that we have coming they're a lot more in tune with their emotions they're a lot more vocal i mean twitter and instagram gives them a space to be very vocal and stuff like that and kind of seems like you have to approach them in a different way yeah no for sure um yeah and and with Kawhi, there's so many different layers just going back to him real quick there's so many different layers to Mm -hmm. that because i i think that how he came into the league was is also a big part of his story yeah you know being a guy that no one was really talking about no no one one really saw coming didn't go to a big school san diego state right under the radar yeah Yeah. you know and then he he realized he had to work that much harder to get attention um he might have been a little more complacent had he had a different story sure yeah absolutely you see these number one number two number three picks flame out all the time. Absolutely. I think of Anthony Bennett. I think about Anthony Bennett oh. more than I should. Uh, <laughs> Where's he at yeah. now? I don't think he's in the league anymore. And oh, it's like, man. that happened. Or what was the guy? Larry Sanders, I think. Do you remember him? Yeah. Or not Larry Sanders. Larry. Center. Yeah, I think that was his name. Yeah. But he like flamed out instantly. Yeah. But oh, yeah. It's interesting to see how people deal with their own mental struggles. Like Kawhi went through an extremely traumatic event mm-hmm. and decided to be so focused after that like he Absolutely. had one goal he was like i need to do this one th- like this is my purpose now mm-hmm. and i think when you hone in maybe it's a way of coping i think it's definitely a way of, of overcoming something by focusing so hard that you're coping through something that's like very deeply um traumatic for you but i think that's how greatness is somehow made like yeah you're right like it's just like it's a uh, it's sometimes like, sports is an outlet that like helps you focus on 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 something so simple where it's like skills mm-hmm. and getting better and whatever and it yep. just helps you yeah. you get stay that, a person you get that positive reinforcement and you develop yeah. confidence through your sport and that could evolve outside the sport or it yeah. could just you only have confidence and oh I'm a basketball player and then once your career ends you're lost and depressed or you can be like a Kobe Bryant who's like I'm gonna win an Academy Award yeah <laughs> just. Yeah. Gonna succeed well, at everything. Ka- yeah, Kawhi is a poster child for resilience. Mm-hmm. You know? And and this, this is what we talked about. We talk about in our podcast too. Is like that's sports kind of like the, the sports psych MDs that <laughs> that's kind of the counterpoint to mental 
illness in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Is like all about if you internal resilience. Um, yeah. When you the more you have, kind of the more you can sort of manage and maintain against stress. You know, resist from kind of breaking down. You know, and and, and dysregulating yeah. when you have yeah. a lot of resilience. And obviously, when you have something traumatic like losing your dad, tragically, Tra- yeah. murdered, not, not heroically, yeah. but tragically, it, it's hard. I can only imagine. Yeah. And I see kids all the time, kids as in, you know, like young adults in my office with tragedies, and they're just broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't change. Yeah, doesn't, we both, they don't get better. We both work in the county, so we see the uninsured <clears throat> patients. Yeah. You yeah. work in Compton, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's... That was something that was important to me. It's why I chose this program for residency that Tori did. You know, it's uh, it was a program that worked uh, very closely with the Veterans Administration. Mm-hmm. You know, my military background connected me to to that story. It was yeah. Those stories of vets, absolutely. Um, and we had a clinic for three years of that program um, where we, you know, had veteran patients that had largely been you know in the Iraq War and stuff like that or Vietnam War. We saw a I lot one, of trauma. One World, World War Two veteran. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, it was a natural transition to, to want to work in LA, LA, for LA County. Absolutely. Um, for me. So, you know, and I, I sort of do um, a little bit of, well, I, I have a private practice as well where I see, um, you know, it, actually it's a cash practice. Oh. So it's kind of like the other side. Um, and then, you know, I kind of have like a you know public service uh, role as well in the community working in Compton. So I, I kind of like having both identities but you kind of see the the full spectrum absolutely because people with money and privilege they're they're just as vulnerable absolutely because about resilience resilience is not a matter of income resources it doesn't see class or race or it's a genes issue yeah but it's not like a a resources issue there's a nature versus nurture everything's nature versus nurture a little bit of your biology a little bit of that environment you grow up in Mm. if anything having gone through things as a community as a population might make you a little bit more resilient Mm. you know um i know a lot of folks from a privilege that can't handle you know little even small stresses absolutely i uh, out on the west side yeah yeah i used to do uh I, i and again i've been in and out of therapy for years and i remember at one point in la i was not making any money and i went to uh this therapist that was like for free and it was for people who have suffered some sort of trauma but was a person of color and then she was just like uh, do you want to go to the our group sessions like you know it's like some addicts and some people from like gang violence and i was like nah because i don't want to be in there and have someone tell like some traumatic story about like how they're trying to stay clean and then i'm just like oh i don't think i'm the funniest person on my herald team like i feel like that <laughs> like that those two differences of problems I'm like that doesn't seem fair to the people yeah. in those groups right. yeah um but i like what you guys are talking about in terms of resiliency and i had a question about that and i want to ask you guys after the break We are back on Culture King. Shireen co-hosting. Thank you. Thank you. Doctor. Doing an amazing job. Doing an amazing you job. Call me Tori. I'm going to continue to call just you Dr. Tori. Tori's fine. Trogio and Dr. Armin. Look, you guys worked hard, okay? I'm a dropout, and I honor people who went all the way. We're on your podcast, man. No, That's awesome. right. <laughs> I honor people who, yeah. who go all the way, man. You guys went all me. the way. You know what I mean? 
Uh, not a lot of people understand. I know. I mean, I have a lot of friends. We're just masochistic. That's oh, of course. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, I was born and raised Seventh Day Adventist, so like med, med school is like a thing that most Adventist kids do over at Loma Linda, and I know how crazy it gets. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna honor you. I want to hear more about your childhood. Then. Oh boy, that's it's another crazy. Uh, <laughs> wow, crazy. that's a whole uh, that's a whole other thing. Okay, uh, not but really interested. Uh, we're talking about resiliency and stuff like that. How do you? Uh, I am someone who. I definitely do a lot of things with the chip on my shoulder, right? Like I kind of create that narrative that you guys have been talking. I love that you guys say it's stories like that really uh, resonates with me, but I create like these stories of like, I'm underlooked, I'm undervalued. And I use that to drive with me. And I'm always questioning when does that become helpful and when is it toxic? And I think about, I saw this video of Draymond Green and how he can still name every single person that was drafted before him. Wow. And I'm like, that's dope, mm-hmm. but then also mm-hmm. how much of that is not dope, right? Like, how much uh, of that is just petty? Yeah, and like I'm kind of working on right now. I have this app called Sanvelo. It's a really dope uh, mental health app uh, that's helped me work out um, distortions. I'm really working on distortions, wow. such as like, yeah, I'm identifying like, am I fortune telling? Am oh. I mind reading? Am I doing all Black those and things? white thinking? Yeah, that's absolutely. Really cool. uh, that is cool. And like, I'm like, how much of when does it become a distortion and when is it actually an influential thing? What do you guys think about the balance between those two I've often thought about that because you always, you always hear these athletes in like interviews talk about that chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Michael Jordan's retirement speech talked I think about all the coaches Mm -hmm. and people. All the slights. And the fact that the guy who they cut him for, uh, the, uh, from his freshman team, right? He got cut. That guy who they put instead of him was his guest of honor. Oh gosh. He brought that guy, which I was like, that's fucking insane. (laughs) Talk about You made your kids pick for, you guys, you made your kids pay for tickets, but you gave this guy. But yeah, when does it become helpful? When does it become toxic? In you guys' opinion, I think it's it's personal. You have to really get to know each individual because uh, yeah. some mm-hmm. people, like Michael Jordan or Draymond Green, maybe can use that as motivation their entire career. Absolutely, I would think it, if if it were if it's working, as long as there's no dysfunction and you're out where you want to be in life, continue to use utilize that. But mm. in any slightest turn, then you may yeah. have to kind of rethink things. I agree. It's personality driven. Mm. I mean, Draymond knows how to carry it. Oh yeah, because I'm always waiting for him to, you know, to slip in in terms of that like aggressive kind of posture he throws yeah. out there. I'm waiting for somebody to just like punch him in the face or something. But you know, saying, <laughs> no, but on, but no, he he does. He actually, he I think he knows what he's doing though. Yeah. Like, well, he cost his team a title though. That's yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he kind of. Well, no, I'm not going to give him that credit. I I think it's so possible Gosh. that the Cavs they were going to win that. They were going to like it was I like it was know, destiny, man. but. I don't know. <laughs> Don't get him but, started on but the here's the thing. Oh, gosh. He, you know, he knows how to how to work the crowd. Yeah, get the coaches fired up. Absolutely. Get the other players, get other fired, players up. fired up. Yeah. yeah, so he knows how to carry it. Some people, I think, it would be deflating. I think it would be a distraction. Sure. You know, so it's personality. It goes driven. back to that, like outsourcing your validation. If you're mm. if your motivating factor is outside yourself, then it's going to create more instability. Okay. Versus if it comes from within. Yeah, but it's a lot more difficult to have some sort of mo- motivation that comes from within. Like, what does that even really look like? Yeah. So, uh, based, you guys have only talked mm-hmm. to me for about maybe forty-five minutes now. Based on my personality that you guys have seen so far, is it detrimental to me to have an oh Arya God. Stark list that I have of Ooh. people that I'm like, I can't wait to stun on this fucking person? Well, history is the best teacher. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, has it worked for you? It's worked for me, but at times I, I've, I've seen it limit myself as well, where like, you know, when I don't get something and someone else gets it, maybe right. a person who might happen to be on that Arya Stark list, I'm just like, I go into 
what I call like my slides are me in my room wearing the same shirt for three days, ordering Postmates nonstop. What's your go-to? Uh, well, Chinese right food? now it's a uh, uh, Popeyes. I've been, I had that. Sp- I'm in a slide right now. <laughs> oh, he's I'm in one a slide of those. Right now. He's one of those. I'll tell you right now. I'm in a slide. I mean, you right. can look at how I'm That's dressed. Fair. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I've ordered Popeyes. That fucking spicy. Chicken Everybody will eventually come back over. Does it live up to the hype? Other, I've been hearing about Chick-fil-A? that. Is this new? I think it's good. I think it's very good. I do think that it's better than Chick Fil A, but I do think it's going to be the Sunday option only. You think so? Every other day of the week is still about Chick Fil A. I saw yeah. that. No, <laughs> okay, a homophobic sandwich cannot taste better than a not homophobic oh. sandwich. But is that if, if that's the okay? Look, if that's the only reason why it tastes better, then does it actually taste better? I like that, yes. that's what I. Yes, I get it. If it's like if the if only the politics is what makes it a better yeah. sandwich, and it's not a better sandwich. And again, I say everyone I should go to the Chick Fil A on Sunset uh, because everyone that works, most of the people that work for, on that Chick Fil A on Sunset and Highland are queer. And I feel like you know, wait, that's that's a that's a power move. Right it there. cancels it out. It yeah. cancels it out. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, getting back to your your uh, um, who's on this list. Is that yeah. a physical list? Like a notes yeah. on your phone? It's a mental list. Have, you, mental list. have you thought about making amends with these people? Ver- no. Like doing the well, opposite? Well, no, because <laughs> they did me They did me wrong, Tori. All right. <laughs> making amends would weaken him, actually. He, need, he needs to keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. Keep absolutely. the fire in his yeah. belly. Absolutely. No, like I said, if it works for you, great. Um, I think what we would need to talk about, what a target of therapy would be mm. those times when it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Right, and what's going on there? Yeah, and, you know how we can resolve that. You know, oh. I mean, I'm no psychiatrist, um, but I, I'd like to think that those people that wrong you mm-hmm. can be a good source of of initial motivation. Like whether it's like like taking it back to a very simple example of like someone breaks up with you and you start working out all the time. Yes. Initially, maybe you start working out because you want that person to look at you and be like, look what I missed out on. Mm-hmm. But eventually that person becomes irrelevant and you just keep working out and True. you feel better about yourself. So if they're the seed for that motivation and then they go away, I think that's great. But yeah, yeah, if you like keep that. having a mental list forever and ever and ever years after this person probably forgot you existed then it just becomes petty sure yeah i think about how when kevin durant won his championship he said he didn't feel i i forgot who either he said it or someone said it didn't give him what he thought it was i think it was him. him i think it was, he's, it was i think he said that yeah. well it's it's always steph that's steph city right yeah. they announced him last during the the parade celebration after that first championship he realized this isn't my team, so yeah. he needs to go get it done somewhere else. Yeah. That um, scares me. That scares me of like, oh, man, I can get to what I'm pushing for that I think I'm going to fucking get these people back, but then I still don't feel whole. Well, if it's a defense mechanism, mm. you know, I mean, def- defense mechanisms, you know, they were adapted uh, as to survive, you know, as protective mechanisms, yeah. you know, so they're not all bad. I mean, they do actually help us cope, but, um, I, but they they can become pathological yeah. at a certain point. I do um, think, like, even if you get through all that list, um, are you, st- you going to fill whole after that, yeah, or is that, there something else you're going to have to fill It has to come with. from within, without them. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because there's always going to be something, someone else that slights you or something else going on externally, because we can't control the outside world. Yeah. Um, that's going to mess with you, so you got to yeah. ha- that ha- has to come from within. Are you going to exactly. be a Durant that makes a burner account and goes and, and exactly. outs all of them? Or are you going to be a Kawhi and let you just live your fucking life and True. be great. Should have worn my it. board man gets paid. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that's it. That's the, the, inter- is the intersection between 
illness in something you know truly pathological. Well, there's pathological, uh, but that could be. What, is, know, what do you mean by it's that? It's all about dysfunction. So yeah, in order to diagnose a mental illness, you have to have dysfunction within either your job or relationships. Right? Wow, there has to be some sort of dysfunction. Right. You can have all the symptoms, but if you're still humming along just fine, then doesn't necessarily meet criteria mm. for a diagnosis. Well, it, it doesn't, and it, it, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of the story, going back to that, you know, we want to know that it, there's some aspect of your life, you know, in the real world, so to speak, yeah. you know, the external environment yeah. that is not on the level, you know, not working for you. Yeah. But it's really about an internal tension, you know, that exists that's really driving the process. Yeah, and that's can, where we try to get at in therapy. Yeah. If, also, if you have like gross emotional issues too, that would also yeah. count as dysfunction. Yeah, exactly. If you're just not coping because you're just breaking down and crying. I mean, even if you're going to work every day mm-hmm. and raising your kids and all that stuff, you know, obviously, you know, if there's distress in your life, even that no one else sees, that's, you know, that's mental illness. So This, um, is, this is fucking fascinating. I mean, this is like. You guys are blowing my mind a little bit. You guys are making me think about a lot of shit that I kind of don't want to think about, but yeah. I'm being forced to think about. Are you still in therapy? Oh, yeah, 100%. Nice. 100%. I think everyone 100%. Should, should be in therapy, honestly. But I'm off the meds. Is that bad? It's bad. I know it's bad already. No, no it's great. If it's you great? Can, If you can do well without meds, why not? I said I'm off. I didn't say it I was like doing well. seems like you're doing well. Well, thank you. That's very yeah. nice. Thank you. Yeah. I great. mean, I like what Shireen said, though. I mean, if, if you can make something better. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Especially if there's no downside. Sure. It's not even just better. It's just about like, um, I mean, I've had my experiences with on and off medication, but if if your eyesight is still blurry and you're not wearing glasses or contacts and there's a way to make, maybe see a little clearer, mm-hmm. then do that. It's not about making it better. You're not going to have, you're never going to have better than 2020 vision. For sure. Yeah. But if you can at least have a little more, Clarity. clarity, yeah, I love clarity. It. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know why I'm on this podcast. I'm in a, I'm in a really oh. weird mental place, <laughs> but but I but I I'm, I'm seeking out therapy for the first time. I'm trying to. I haven't been on. I've been for. I've been on medication for most of my young adult life. And this is the first time, like this past year, I've been off it for the first time ever. So I'm trying to grapple with that. Realize, like, trying to think, like, should I go back on it? Like, do I need that extra boost? Do I need? Can I just squint through my life a little bit, or do I need mm. to put more glasses on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm right now at that breaking point where I have to figure out what route I want to take. And I think the. I think what if most if if anyone's at that point, I think. Going to therapy first is the way to go, Absolutely. you know. And Definitely. I did you hit up my girl? Not yet. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. as long as the hospital <laughs> is not your first stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, but I know what you mean. Uh, actually, another reason why I think we're doing this podcast too is to change the narrative about what psychiatry and what psychiatrists are all about. You Absolutely. know, we're not just pill pushers. Yeah, you know, we definitely value and appreciate. You know the 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 psychological experience, the therapy, you know, and, and and how that works, how that can really be transformative. I mean, therapy is extremely transformative. Coaching can be transformative for those yeah. that don't necessarily have like true mental illness, but just you know need to you know kind of tweak things. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my practice, my my uh, my uh, private practice, yeah, that's that's what I'm all about. You know, it's not just you know psychiatry. Uh, not just medicine, um, but you know, I do psych- psychotherapy. It's all about wellness. Yeah. It's all about because like wellness is is the ultimate goal. It should be the ultimate yeah. goal. 
So I want to go back, Shereen. I think that the fact that you have an open mind about it, you're considering all your options, therapy, medications, and you're not just like closing the door on one thing versus mm. the other is great. That's that's the first step. And as long as you have that mindset, you're I mean, in, it took a while shape. to get here. I'm not going to lie. I I grew up because I started seeing psychiatrists young. I didn't like them at all, even though yeah. I wanted to be one because I didn't like the ones I had seen. Because I because in my experience, they did just like like talk to me for five seconds yeah. okay take this pill like, yeah. you, you know what i mean Absolutely. um Absolutely. and as an adult when i saw my psych- other psychiatrist i forced them to be like i want an hour co- i want an hour appointment That's you're right. gonna be i'm gonna talk to you like a therapist because i don't want to see a therapist and a psychiatrist like you should you should be privy to all my my therapy like thoughts mm-hmm. and so i would force my yeah. psychiatrist to be my therapist at the same time but it's hard to get that, yeah, though. Yeah, it is hard. Because and I've a seen lot of, so many. And that's why I had such a distrust towards doctors. Because I just like didn't trust their right. genuine concern. That's yeah. the insurance model, though. I just want to say the, the insurance model kind of dictates for cost purposes. That's the worst you know, part about medicine. Doc, their doctors, their MDs, doctors, you know, kind of have to be medical managers. 15 Medi- minutes, medi- 30 minutes. Medication managers mm. as opposed to, you know, mental health yeah. practitioners that are doing you know, the whole nine, yeah, the therapy right. and the, because, you know, you, they can find a social worker yeah. or someone yeah. to do the but therapy. That, but that, as a patient, that makes you so distrusting of the medical, yeah, of the course. whole medical system. Of course. Yeah. And I think it's crazy that I've never had an actual therapist my whole life. I've only had psychiatrists that I forced yeah. into being my therapist because, well, yeah. because I, it's not, I was never anti-therapy, but I was more like distrusting that I can find another person that would actually give a shit, you know? And right. you have That's to connect. Yeah. You have to That's connect deep. with your therapist for yeah. sure. And I think um, Armin and I, um, kind of going along with that, we want to include. Uh, I don't think we, you should prescribe a medication without doing some sort of therapy. Yeah. And then I also think if you have a me- if you have like an intense medical illness or an intense like sports injury, I think you also should get a little bit of therapy. You've, yeah. you've done CBT. I think that's helpful Absolutely. for anyone, yeah. regardless of if you're struggling with. With anything, whether it's medical or mental illness. Yeah. I mean, going back to Derek. I mean, we didn't have to talk Rose? about it, but Derek Rose, right? Oh, yeah. At some point, that injury became mental, yep. where it was just yep. like there was a mental trauma mm-hmm. from hurting himself in that yeah. way. Where everyone's just like, "You're physically fine. Why aren't you playing?" But yeah. he had that anxiety. And but that it's fear. also like I'm sure, like like a crazy injury, like Kevin Durant, like in his Achilles, like he's gonna have to go to through physical rehab, Absolutely. and that physical rehab will come with a lot of mental challenges. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like rehab should be both physical and mental at the same time. Like it, it should tackle both of those things, um, because especially as a top athlete, like the best at your game, to be reduced to like being on a like just like on like i don't know those like rollers with the yeah. tennis balls and trying to walk again like he's a normal playing human basketball being. since he was like five years old yeah. that's who he is as a person now he can't do it for like a exactly. year exactly it, it must be such a um hurdle to overcome so yeah. i think mm-hmm. combining those two things and realizing like talking about how you're feeling doesn't make you sensitive or weak it just helps the process grow and helps it be a faster recovery yeah, yeah we have an episode called adjustment disorder uh which mm. You know, it, it's something that uh, I think a lot of people probably haven't heard of, but it, it it speaks to what you're talking about. We recognize in psychiatry that uh, there there are folks that don't necessarily have major depressive disorder, um, but in fact develop significant depressive symptoms as a result of a situation they experience, like a, mm, you know, like, like an a, injury, like an injury, uh, and it's just they it's, they can't bounce back. The issue is is that that. The psychological trauma and the psychological symptoms they have as a result 
it actually can delay the the recovery from the physical the injury physical, itself. Wow. Yeah. Not yeah. only because you're like depressed, I don't want to do rehab today, but also it works inside your body. Yeah. Mm. Like that inflammatory, inflammatory process yeah. inhibiting mm-hmm. the repairing of your tendons yeah, and your bones. Your cortisol right. goes up when your stress goes up That's and everything. Right. It's just all it's all related. Yeah. And wow. an- another layer is athletes sometimes they'll tie their like we said before their identity to the sport. So and then they can't play the sport because they're injured. Who are they? And that puts them at risk for adjustment disorder and anxiety, depression, different things. This can't be the only episode I have you guys on. <laughs> you guys, I hope there's that. too bring much. Them back. Bring them back. Them there's so much knowledge. There's so much like everything that you guys bring up. I'm like, well, I have this question. I have this question. Like, you guys are both so knowledgeable, but I also think that you guys are both so sensitive in a way of like. I, I really enjoy this story thing. Like, I'm going to think about that a lot. I'm going to bring that up to my therapist. Do. Like, I want to hear more about your story. Oh, well, one day, one day, okay, baby, right. one day. <laughs> uh, you have to flip the table on M.P. Edgar. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's very hard to do. I, yeah. uh, I, I'm quite defensive. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think that the approach that you guys have is, uh, I, I'm kind of like Shireen in where every psychiatrist I've ever had was just like, here's a pill, get out. Mm-hmm. And the approach you guys have seems so welcoming and so warm it's and more so understanding. Compassionate, Absolutely. You know? And, and I'd, I'd like to think it's a new wave of psychiatry that's doing that. Uh, like the, the younger generation that's yes. maybe been through some stuff, maybe has yes. they, they've seen their family been through some stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd like to think that that's the direction we're going. we got to get the insurance companies behind that. Exactly. Oh, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole that's the biggest. Fight. That's I feel like money and insurance and, and, uh, and uh, just... Like, big pharma yeah but like it inhibits so many people mm-hmm. and even seeking out help they're like well i can't even afford that and, yeah. you, and if they and it, for me my biggest struggle of finding the right therapist now is i do have health insurance that is probably going to go away next year because i'm not working enough but i when i do find a psychiatrist that i research and that i like or a, or a therapist that i research and that i like they don't they either don't take my insurance or they're not accepting new patients and then yeah. i feel kind of defeated and i have to be like look for someone else that i think is trustworthy or whatever so it's like it's yeah. just this constant battle of trying to i don't know feel like the medical you're, you're not battling against the system and that's right. what it is it, yeah what yeah. and you what you're talking about is the struggle with the, the business of medicine you yeah. know and there's always going to be that intersection between like you know the the industry business law politics you know there's always going to be that um i think because of the the strength of the insurance model and you know the large healthcare provider you know that whole thing as a psychiatrist as a young psychiatrist you really kind of have to be kind of bold and, and independent minded to go out and do your own thing, start your own practice, you know, have your own approach in which you're incorporating all those things. You know, it, it's, it's not something that you're going to get a lot of support from in the training program, the residency program. Cause um, it's just a business. It's everything's a business. Yeah. Even yeah. the residency program, even, even medical school. You gotta make a business. living still. So a lot of us earn hundreds of thousands. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you guys are here sitting like with MDs, but I know for my sister, who's also a doctor, like she's nowhere near paying off, paying off her debt. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you have the position to help people, but at what cost? And mm. and there's so much, it's just, it's so, I don't know. They may, This country makes it so hard to be, to do good without, without consequence. Okay, and now yeah. we're on an episode of Ethically Ambiguous, shitting on America. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's not just what, that's not easy all to do. we do. That's not all we do, man. It's not hard. But also, Ethically Ambiguous, uh, every Wednesday and Monday. Am I lo- allowed to go on that podcast as a white male? We've never mm, had a white male on. Interesting. Wow. I mean, I can't I've think of a better a... person to break it wow. than your brother-in-law. 
My soon-to-be brother-in-law, soon to as be, you keep well, reminding me. I have said that multiple times, but I didn't say it in front of Tori because I'm not uh, rude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe you'll be the first white guy. Who knows? Oh. Yeah. Actually, excited. I think it would be interesting. This is, should not be part of your podcast, Edgar. I'm loving But it. as someone who's, like, been a part of my family and everything, and, like, you've, yeah. we've introduced to our culture in so many ways. I'm Syrian-American, for those who don't know, but... Like, you've had a very insider look into yeah. the culture that no one else has. So yeah. I think it, it would be fun. And not to just talk any about. white boy either. It's exciting. He's from Indiana, right? Midwest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle of the country. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were going to say <laughs> Italy. And I was going to be like, Armin, let's not let's go not. there. <laughs> Early 1900s. Uh, but I think a way that we can <laughs> help you guys uh, uh, perhaps pay off your student loan debt is for you guys to plug your podcast one time so we can get that podcast. One time. Sports Psych hyping. MDs. Mm-hmm. Sports Psych MDs. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you find your podcasts. Yeah, you can type in SPMDs on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We're on all those platforms. Sports every, Psych MDs. Every social media thing. And then uh, you have a private practice. Uh, I do. Uh, how do people get involved with that? And if they are, I, mean, I have, we a, have a lot of listeners in Los Angeles. So. Yeah, so it's Latitude Mental Health. Okay. Um, and it's www.latitudementalhealth.com. Uh, yeah, I'm based uh, out of uh, West LA, not too far from Beverly Hills, nice. um, you know, Century City Mall, mm-hmm. kind of in that area. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm, I, I promote. I promote wellness. Um, you know, all of my patients get uh, an experience in kind of dynamic therapy, mm-hmm. um, and we also have wellness coaches uh, that you know we try to integrate the the medicine and really just in small touches. You know, we're, we're, there's no that's just not the focus. The focus on is, is on the integration, yeah. You know, and then the stories, and yeah, and really kind of you know taking people on a journey. And I call it the navigation to wellness. Oh, yeah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> and Tori, where can people uh, uh, enlist I'm, your services? I'm currently a, a child adolescent fellow, so I'm still in training. I'll finish up next year. So mm-hmm. I'm working in the county right now. Okay. Yeah. So unless you're a uh, under 18 and live in the Torrance area, yeah, that's a you never know. Come yeah. see Doctor T. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm so glad. So the reason why Edgar even heard of you guys is because I posted you on my story. Yes, and Edgar was so generous. Edgar was the one that was like, "Let's have him on my podcast." And I think, I think you, the both of you, and your podcast, it's it's intriguing, and people want to hear about it because mm-hmm. no one else is talking about it. I think there's such a huge fan base of sports and like athletes, and even this whole conversation about like you guys mentioned one player and one thing, you guys are like, automatically know that narrative. It's because it's like a societal uh, like bloodline, you know, yeah. like sports. Mm-hmm. And then to bring in psychiatry into that and to bring in mental health, it's just combining two things that are never combined. And I, I don't know. I, I really thank Edgar for no, for for realizing the the value in that. I mean, yeah. the moment I saw the name of the pod, and and, and you know, I was just like, these guys have to be on. Like, yeah. this is such a fascinating new thing. I don't think anyone is. Edgar's a wise man. I really, oh, yeah. I really <laughs> appreciate it, Shereen and Edgar. Yeah. This has been awesome. I couldn't have yeah. said it better myself, Shereen. And thanks, Edgar. Of course, yeah, hospitality. Of course. This has been amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, do you guys have personal socials that you would like to plug at all, or do you guys like to keep people away from that stuff? It's completely. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's. No, she said it. I mean, right now, my focus as far as my energy and attention is on the sports like MDs. Yeah, sure. Although, I, actually, I should say Latitude Mental Health and sports like MDs in terms of the, the, the social media. But, I mean, this is all about connecting with people, right? It's all about just outreach and so forth. So mm-hmm. I would say the biggest representation we have right now, other than our, you know, iTunes subscription would be our Instagram. Like, we put 
yeah. a lot of effort into that and yeah. in I terms like of shaping our do. narrative. Yeah, I like the like the little sound bite to do with the, with yeah. the videos and everything. It's yeah. really great. Yeah, it's so really great. follow us on Instagram for sure. You, you'll get yeah. a taste, a good taste. There. And what's that handle one more time for the Instagram? Sports Psych MDs. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Shireen, plug yourself. Oh, I'm Shireen. Uh, Hi. <laughs> my podcast is, I have co-host Ethnically Ambiguous. It's on everywhere podcasts are. And I'm at Shiro Hero on Instagram and Shiro Hero 666 on Twitter. And your book. Love it. I do nice. have a poetry book on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. called Dime Piece. I'm working on my next one. Um, so buy it while I make the other one. The fun fact, if you see the book in a room and oh, Shireen is also in the room, you're not allowed to read it. I, who likes to be have have their stuff read in front of them? Who likes to watch a movie when they're in it? It's the same idea. <laughs> I mean, right. that's true. I don't. Yeah. I haven't seen most of the things I mean. Exactly. Uh, but no, uh, I do remember that we were somewhere and your book was on the table and someone tried to read it and you're like, don't do that. I didn't say it that rudely. I, think I mean, did. okay. Well, this is. Nothing a little Let's therapy. Nothing a little therapy can't, yeah. can't help. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, at Jaquise Neal on every single social media. For myself, at Edgar Mobus here on Twitter, at AwfulGram on Instagram. Guys, I am being told. I refuse to believe it. I do not think this is true. Summer is still here. I don't think that's true. I think it's fall. Uh, but they're telling me that summer is still here. So please go on uh, tpublic.com slash Culture Kings. Pick up a tank top. Uh, light tea. We they also have, have light hoodies. We have totes. Yeah. If you're ever trying to go to the park yeah. or the beach, a nice yeah. tote bag could come in handy. Go ahead and hop on some merch. flip flops? You know, I'm trying to get some footwear in there. I've you tried should. to get I'm baseball get hats for the longest time. Yeah. I think we, I think a good ethnically ambiguous dad nice hat, dad hat. Would, be, nice. would be so fucking clutch. Yeah. But, oh well. Jerry okay. stopped uh, uh, answering our emails because we started making fucking fun of him on Jerry. the pod. Oh, uh, what? Edgar! Well, we just would laugh about whether he would listen or not, and then we'd say things about him and, and see if he, he did listen. listen. I'm pretty sure he did. Wow. He's a t-shirt guy? <laughs> yeah, he's, okay. uh, he's, our, he's our t-shirt plug. Come on, Jerry. Uh, and we'd be like, oh, well, Jerry does this. We'll see if he we'll listens. we get his number, though. <laughs> oh, please. T Public, I- I'd T-Public highly recommend them. Really, I think really that they're good. really great for yeah. branding. And yeah. Are you listening? We love you. And uh, they really allow you to bring in your own designs and help integrate yeah. it and stuff All like the that. designs we both have are stuff that we've made ourselves. We made ourselves. Yeah. Oh, our fans have That's made. That's badass. Yeah. yeah. And then they give you a plethora of options of where to put those yeah. designs. Uh, so, yeah, tpublic.com slash culture kings. And uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>